California camp cruise, weddings NYC, Shadow Lake, Snow, Shipwreck, RV, and Ski, Hawaii, Burger Garden, Papers, Beer, Bad Barbie, it's the Babysitter's Club Super Special. Hey, Stuck in Stony Brook listeners, Emily here. Just dropping in a quick note to let you know that we're going to be switching temporarily to an every other week release schedule. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing super special three babysitters winter vacation. Appropriately lined up with our own winters and our my own blizzard personally yeah you get to be in a blizzard yeah it's Mm -hmm. did you know that some of the school districts in california have a ski week i have never lived in one but literally this coming week like schools in san francisco and in a bunch of the school districts in marin and on the peninsula close so people can go skiing what what okay this proves my point about how how this book like unveils some of the babysitters like uh financial brackets yeah for sure well let well let's get into that let's let's do our one sentence summaries first because i have many thoughts on this Anne. um so my one sentence summary for today is logan doesn't go on this ski trip but somehow most of the book is about him anyway (laughs) okay Mine is all of SMS goes to a fancy ass ski lodge for a week and the economics are inscrutable. Mm-hmm. Okay. No lie. This is why I have it written down here. My one sentence summary is Emily is going to be so annoyed by all the Loganness. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's very good. <laughs> Ooh, I'm so excited. Guys, we've still got it. <laughs> still got it. Okay, wait, you guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. And I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food. If you want to learn more about us and how the three of us know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything Babysitter's Club related, you can drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You guys, before we jump into it, since this is a super special episode, I have a funny story about the super special theme song. What is it? My my husband, Gary, wrote the theme song, as you know, and recorded it. Sorry, your husband's name is what? (laughs) Yeah. When, when we when he woke up this morning, he told me he was in the middle of a dream. And in the dream, he was walking through a park. And this woman was two strangers he didn't know were talking to each other. And the woman was like, no, it goes California Camp Cruise Weddings NYC. And he was like, Shadow Lake, Snow Shipwreck, RV, and Ski. And they looked at him like weird. And he's like, I wrote that song. And they and they didn't believe him. <laughs> and they looked at him and they were like, okay. And he's like, no, it's it's a babysitter's club super special. And they like looked at him like he was crazy. And then he walked away. <laughs> that was his dream. Emily and I are speechless, literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny part was that I didn't realize I had my mic muted, and I said that was his dream right before Esme said that was his dream. <laughs> so <laughs> it worked out really well from my side only. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like it's a little sad, right? It's like his, his, you know, he's finding his like little bit of fame, and the people don't believe him. 
he, yeah. he tends to have simple dreams. He had another dream that was one of his favorite dreams, and it was just that he went to McDonald's. <laughs> I'm so confused. My dreams are not at all realistic or like connected to something as I don't know. I don't want to say mundane as going to McDonald's, but I, I think that's fair. I think it's a fair characterization. <laughs> anyway, someone somewhere out there in Gary's subconscious, people know and love the super special theme song for our podcast, but they don't want to believe that he wrote it. And they can't remember the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incredible. So everyone, we, we have this outline we use for our podcasts and we kind of just fill in the blanks to help us you know, along. And here it says, Esme wrote this, Emily, I feel like this book was filled with little delicious Emily nuggets. What does that mean? It also says in parentheses or something like that (laughs) as a cue to Anne. (laughs) I don't know. I hate it though. (laughs) You guys are coming in hot at minute five, just like taking me down. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. I was like, there's not like an overall Emily theme, but there are like lots of little Emily. If I were a nugget, what sauce would you dip me in? (laughs) Oh, (sighs) honey mustard. Ugh, gross. Yeah. Because I'm pissed off at you. <laughs> okay. Wow. I see how it is. Like a, like a miso tahini. <laughs> Ooh, yum. That sounds great. Okay. It's, I guess it's going to be me and Anne again says me this episode. <laughs> something, something new and different <laughs> Yeah. for the podcast. Great. Uh, and my life. Yeah. I mean, mostly I was preoccupied with um, like how annoying Marianne's like obsession with logan making out with a, another girl in aruba was because like we didn't even get to hear about the potentially cool ghost story except for a couple of tiny little detours and there's like nothing else going on there she's just like mm-hmm. oh logan's in aruba wah, wah, wah. why didn't he come skiing and then he like calls the lodge in some attempt to like not be shitty i don't know i don't get it i hate <laughs> logan so much but he's the nicest guy I know. I thought we were about to go on like a Logan rehabilitation journey, and I just didn't get that from this book. But so he's not really here, though. Like he doesn't actually do anything other than call the lodge, which is weird. But I don't know that it's shitty. Yeah. But like, how annoying is it that like that's the kind of I don't know, like hold he has over Marianne's life? Like get okay, like, also, whatever. He sucks. Okay. If we all went on vacation together and I was like, Hey guys, I I want to I want to make a book for Micah. Can you guys write in this journal for him every day about what happened? I, like, come on, it'll be really great. I mean, who the hell does that? No, Micah would not read that journal. No, he wouldn't. He doesn't even listen to this podcast. Okay, I know, right? I also don't buy that. Like the teacher, uh, the middle school teacher, is like so sad over two days away from her fiance that she's like crying in the bathroom. It's it's five days, but isn't that All like right. on Wednesday? I'm the only romantic on this on this podcast. I I don't, yeah. I, when I, I leave town, I don't even talk to Matt on the phone. <laughs> I have some thoughts about that piece, but should do should we back up and say a little bit about the the quote unquote plot? I mean, it's a super. There is no plot style. of this book. Ugh. I mean, okay, fine. Um, the Babysitters Club manages to turn a vacation into a job. That they don't get paid for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's like, sad. A, a bus full of kids rolls over. Yeah. 
There was a lot of bus accidents in the very beginning. (laughs) It's definitely a cautionary tale about bus accidents. That's for sure. Um, How are you guys pronouncing the name of the lodge in Vermont? I didn't. Uh, I think it's, I think it's Lester Lodge. You don't think it's, uh oh, I'm trying to think about what the Massachusetts equivalent would be. Yeah. Like Worcester. Lysta. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lysta. Yeah. I don't think it's. Leicester, which is what I called it when I was a child. Oh, no, no. Lester. Yeah. Lester, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just checking. Just checking in. We're all we're all West Coasters. We don't have words like that out here. That's true. All of our <laughs> words begin with San or Lost. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so they go to this lodge and then there's also like a big sports competition a sports sports snow competition and also they get all this food and it's free for everybody every year at Stony Brook Middle School. I don't like the reason I said in my one sentence summary that the economics are in, inscrutable is that yeah, you can read it as it says something about their socioeconomic status, but they said that these this couple does this for like many schools every year. And yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. And how they make money if they do that, because it sounds like a giant place and they're feeding all these people and they're like, that doesn't actually make sense, right? Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. And like, it also doesn't make sense if they had enough money to afford that, that they would. <laughs> because because money corrupts absolutely. And so they would no longer want to do things for school children yeah. if they were that rich. A hundred percent. Agree. <laughs> The whole thing is utterly implausible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right. Well, what else did you notice in it other than being... What's another so nugget? Dip that juicy nugget into that um, piece of There's an elementary sauce. school. Oh, weird. Those very mixed reactions I had to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's an elementary school kid who pushes back on the babysitters for referring to snow persons as snowman, snowmen. Mm-hmm. And who builds a builds a snow person with a skirt, which is mm-hmm. very fun and interesting that it happens only among the elementary school kit cohort and not the middle school cohort. Um, Claudia has an inappropriate relationship with an older man. <laughs> well, is it a relationship? <laughs> no, I was joking. <laughs> it's not like <laughs> Stacy level, Stacy and Scott level, where where he's like, "Hun, get me a soda, please." Flirt, flirt. Yeah city yeah um yeah i don't know it just seems like a situation where claude misreads the whole thing yeah i also thought it was really weird that like they do this whole bit with jesse and pinky where pinky is maybe being racist to jesse but then turns out she's not and jesse's like wait am i racist like i was like uh i don't think we need to have that conversation here (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know what did you guys make of that yeah yeah, I did not appreciate that either. So basically, ba- I mean, your summary is accurate, like based on Jesse's other experiences in life as a black person, when this angry child, Pinky, is rude to her, she wonders if it's because she's black and if she would ask act that way to the other babysitters or not. The part that really bummed me out is that, you know, I think that that's, so there's this term in psychology called healthy cultural paranoia. Um, about the experience of being in a minority group, particularly being black, that, you know, it is reasonable to be 
suspicious of police or to think that someone might be being racist towards you when it's not necessarily overt because that lines up with your experience and and you are more likely to experience that right so that i took it as a good um portrayal as of jesse's healthy cultural paranoia but then i didn't like that mallory was like "Mm, i think you're wrong yeah, I don't think that's what it's about. Um, and and then that was the idea was that Jesse was supposed to learn from that. I was like, oof, Mal, no, you're supposed to be you're supposed to be the good white friend. What are you doing? I was yeah, I was, I felt like she was gaslighting her a little bit. Totally. And then she even has like Jesse has that moment in her own in her one of the chapters she narrates where her internal monologue says like, "Do I make judgments about other people based on?" I can't remember exactly what the term she used was, but I was like, no, 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 that like, don't wade into reverse racism territory. Like, let's not, yeah. <laughs> let's not try That's that on. Right. Yeah. That's um, not a thing, Jesse. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So I didn't love yeah. that plot. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a bummer. Yeah. I don't know. What other things did you think would have been um, uh, quote unquote Emily Nuggets? <laughs> Well, I liked when Jesse Jesse's organizing a talent show and a bunch of kids audition, and one of the kids that auditions is like sings a song called "Stop Picking on the President." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like I didn't. A, I don't know. Is that like a real thing? I had no idea yeah. what that was. <laughs> What's that guy's name? And is it Mark Russell? What's that guy's name? That like. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I looked it up. I did not get any hit. Yeah, it's Mark Russell. Um. And he used to be on all these PBS shows um, where he would play the piano and sing these political songs. And I thought that it, that was just like, mm. there's no middle schooler in the world, I feel like, who would audition for the school talent show with that. But so wait, so I, I don't also know. thought it was, this is during HW's yeah. presidency. And yeah, maybe so, their dad was yeah. like a huge HW donor, you know, yeah. or, or a local mm-hmm. HW campaigner i don't know it feels like par for the course for connecticut fair enough yeah and i was but i was wondering if this was like before or after he raised taxes after he said read my lips no new taxes Mm. um and if that's why people were picking on him or okay but how old is this kid who's saying this (laughs) a middle schooler okay right so he would have just been regurgitating whatever his parents said yeah probably likely yeah. Likely. Wait, so the so is the inquiry like are people picking on HW uh like what are why are they picking on him and sort of what is his um his base uh defending him against? Like what charges are his base defending him against? Is that the our our sort of the political moment we're investigating? Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah. What hmm. do you think? Or or know. maybe it's just why are people in general picking on him? Or maybe like, why do people think that they can pick on the president mm-hmm. at all? Like any yeah, president. Maybe, maybe it's an anti-bullying song. <laughs> that best. would make more sense yeah. in our <laughs> yeah in our context than in the late '80s, early '90s. But um, that's funny. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that because I was like, it's I don't I didn't know if that was a real song or if it was just a weird thing a kid made up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a that specifically is a real song, but I think that must be what she's referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to find. Oh no, this is the actual. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. I'm looking at the chapter where the show happens, and mm. I want where they're auditioning. 
Because I think Jesse's like super dismissive of it. She's like, yeah, no. You know, as soon as that kid performs. So, see, I got the sense that when she was rejecting performances, that she was rejecting them because they were bad. Not be- not for some, like, uh, I don't know, moralistic reason or, like, fairness, right? Because she's like, oh, it's fine. Like, if people suck at the thing that they want to do, we'll find something else for them to do where it's not as embarrassing for them to suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess fine. I was reading it, reading it more like that. But I'm happy to imagine that there's a political conspiracy afoot. No. Well, so this is what she says about it. This seventh grade girl, Davina, walked nervously onto the stage, sang some song called Stop Picking on the President, and then played a couple of choruses on a harmonica with one hand while waving an American flag with the other. I wrote her name on a pad of paper and put a big no next to it. And Amazing. it's in all caps. Yeah, I guess I just took, I read that as, Jesse doesn't think that's a talent worth showcasing. <laughs> I like it better that she's like, I'm not defending HW. Up yeah, in this joint. fuck like, this. Democrats revolt. None of this toe the party line Republican bullshit. Yeah, great. Jesse's a, a HW era hero. <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, I, I love that I'm just t- get telling you what I thought were the Emily Nuggets. Well, let's talk about the... <laughs> well, I didn't notice them, so... <laughs> let's talk about the significance of, like, wealth and skiing. Because yeah. it seems like a lot of these these babysitters are, are really good at skiing. Well, and here's the thing. So, Christy, it would make sense to me if she got good at skiing after her mom and Watson got married. But clearly she's, like, already a good skier. And, like, why is Claudia the best skier? Yeah. It's kind of like, not only is she a good skier, she's, like, like the best skier in school. Uh-huh. So if we, went, if we went this many books knowing that Claudia was the best artist in school, why don't we know she's the best skier in school? Hmm. Right? Like, that seems like an attribute. Like, we always talk about how Claudia just likes junk food, is good at art. And isn't good at school, but what about mm-hmm. champion skier? Yeah. 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 I mean, she skis, she like wins a downhill ski racing in <laughs> speed, like no big deal. And it's just like, what? Okay. Apparently, Claudia is literally the best skier in school. Like, what? I Yeah, I'm with you, Anne. I think we should have known that already. Mm-hmm. Well, but how would it come up in day-to-day life in Stony Brook, though? Like it, this is the first oh, chance we've had. Dawn likes health food. Claudia's an artist and a and the best skier in school. Like I don't know how right. does anything else fucking come up? Because <laughs> it, it happens in the books. Dawn eats her like you know tofu casserole every <laughs> every other book, but they haven't gone skiing. So I mean I don't know. They might have other talents we haven't. Esme, learned about why don't yet. you We're like Claudia? <laughs> Esme hates Claudia. <laughs> We're only on book 30. I just think. Only? Yeah, there's a hundred more. Oh, no. We have to do 70 (laughs) more of these. Over a hundred more. Not from here. Oh, no. I just think that we can still learn things about them. I don't think we have to know everything about them yet at Super Special 3. No. So this is like, so are we going to discover that Marianne's like a classically trained pianist at some point? Just because it hasn't come up before? Well, if there were no pianos in Stony Brook, then yes, I think we might. <laughs> I think we could discover that later. I don't know. Also, 
I feel like Asian people don't really ski. Well, I was just going to say. I was waiting for you to say that. We have we have heard about Claudia's like yearly vacation at some resort with her family that she does. Like I feel like if she was a good skier, in passing we would have heard about their like winter vacations that they take. Mm-hmm. Like ostensibly, if she's that good and she has all her own gear, the Kishis must go skiing as a family. Like that's the only way she right. would be a good exactly. skier with her own stuff. Yeah, and I feel like that's something we would we should have known. Yeah, I feel like instead of. Like Claudia and the Phantom phone calls should have been Claudia hits the slopes. <laughs> Claudia and the haunted ski resort. <laughs> okay, so you, the two of you, want to learn nothing new about any of the sitters from here on out. We can learn new things, but this one doesn't make sense given okay. the amount of background context we do have and given how much history there would need there to be for her to be this good at skiing okay. also do we really learn anything else new about the babysitters in the next hundred books i well time will tell <laughs> if this is the only new thing we learn then i'll you know at book 131 i'll congratulate you both and we'll reference this and i'll give you a dollar i don't know i just think that there's still time for things to unfold i guess as me as we just doesn't like claudia but you know <laughs> it's, whatever it's, this is liable in the Babysitter's Club community. Yeah. I feel the need to defend myself. Listeners, listeners, if you if you have an opinion on Esme's stance against Claudia, <laughs> write us at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You know what we're going to get? We're going to get emails saying that you two are too moon to me. You have to be Don't nice. worry, I'm going to cut that part out. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. not the part Anne said, the part you said. <laughs> I, I, I'm well aware. So the other Emily nugget while you were being annoyed at Marianne was um, when she's like mooning over Logan. It's kind of in the middle of the book. And then she randomly takes it upon herself to write a new skit for the talent show, like without anybody asking her and without thinking about the talent show is the next day. And her skit involves Kara, who was sort of a feminist and Mm -hmm. her boyfriend, Ian, who was a chauvinist. Mm hmm. And I just wanted to know what you thought of that whole, that whole bizarre term. Yeah. I mean, Kara is also the student who gives, who pushes back on snowman. That's the same kid. Oh, right, right. Kara was going to play the, sorry, that, um, yeah, she was going to play the girlfriend and Ian was actually a sexist boy. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that would, it would have been more, I would have been more interested to see the play, you know, see the skit. I, I don't, there's not much substance there like i don't know what marianne thinks a chauvinist is she dates logan and her dad is mr spear (laughs) oh man yeah what what do you think marianne pictures when she thinks chauvinist given that because i don't know i honestly i think marianne's version of a chauvinist is like a man who doesn't open doors for women or like call them ma'am (laughs) <laughs> no come on i was thinking it would just be like super over the top like someone that says oh you're like, only a chauvinist school. yeah oh like, okay like, you shouldn't you shouldn't stress out your pretty little brain kind of thing like mm-hmm. it has to be like so blatantly sexist that that's what it counts as that like you actively think women don't deserve certain things or to be in certain spaces interesting yeah yeah, I'd be curious to know or to like try to map at this stage what we like what each of the babysitters would consider chauvinism. 
Because mm-hmm. we get, I mean, we get a little bit of a discussion of like what sexism is in the Little Miss Stony Brook pageant, but it doesn't really come up that often. And like largely mm-hmm. they kind of ascribe to really basic gender roles, even when they're transgressing some of the um, you know, traditional ways in which girls have been limited to certain spheres. And so I'd be curious, like, they have a budding sense of what's sexist, but do they have a sense of like what a show, like how to recognize what a chauvinist person looks like or what behaviors they would engage in or like um, what views they would hold? I'm not sure that we have good Mm -hmm. evidence to figure that out. Well, and this was also a time like 89, 90 when, you know, I remember lots of articles in teen magazines and around this time in like sassy and other stuff about like, you know, who is a feminist and who's not. And like a lot of famous women who were clearly feminist saying, well, I don't call myself a feminist. Like that's not the word I, cause it was still like this dirty word. Yeah. And so it was a lot of people disavowing it. Um, feminism specifically. I mean, saying, still like, that, right. That campaign, yeah. like I'm not but a feminist, but I, whatever. Yeah, but it's so much better than it was. <laughs> like it was so much worse. It was kind of everybody. Whereas now I think, it is, you know, much more um, accepted, maybe not by people that need to be fought against by feminism, but it's mm-hmm. much more accepted among women to call yourself a feminism than it was. Like, it was, like, very radical Interesting. in the early 90s. So do you think maybe Marianne's play was, like, overdrawing a feminist and the chauvinist as both kind of, like, villains? And yes. there's a, a sort of, like, contest between, like, I don't know. I mean, we don't know anything about it. So, like, what happens in the play or in the skit? Yeah, like, I do they I both don't... learn a lesson? Do, does one of them win? Like, what's yeah. the? I don't That's know. I'd be curious. Guess. Don't you think? What do you think, Anne? Like, you were also, mm-hmm. you know, swimming in this water of like Rush Limbaugh coining the term feminazi and like all of that stuff at the time. Like, I would think that that's probably what happens. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, I still remember some of my friends in New York even who didn't want to be labeled a feminist Mm because it was like too militant or something Mm -hmm. too aggressive. Like they had this, you know, idea in their head that it was some, I don't hate men. Right. Right. right, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Or like being a feminist somehow meant like you couldn't wear dresses or wear makeup (laughs) or, you know, like you had to wear, pants and not shave your legs or something like that Mm -hmm. it was kind of this really like cartoonish idea of what a feminist was yeah Um, I guess I would just be curious it like to see if we had gotten more about what the substance of the skit was because I like it makes sense that just in the context of the time that like both of those characters would be villains but like we don't really know why Marianne's setting them up in that as that like dichotomy because we don't learn mm-hmm. anything else about it. So it's like all, you know, completely speculative as to as to like how she's casting those characters or to what like what gets attached to those labels for her. Like we don't get any we don't get mm-hmm. anything else. So I guess there's like I don't know. There's no there there. In general, Marianne doesn't come off as she comes off not that great in this book in general. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. She's very judgy in this book. I guess she's always pretty judgmental, right? She's always judgy. Marianne's super judgy. Yeah. She's, I think she's the judgiest one. 
when it comes to tallies and stuff. What else did I miss? That's maybe all I have on stuff that you missed. Can we start but... referring to Emily's segments as Emily McNuggets? Yeah, fine. <laughs> I mean, something else in this book that was a little weird that doesn't have anything to do with an Emily Nugget, but I was like, I don't, I don't buy that Don would be homesick like after three days. Hmm. I mean, she's because she's like always, I don't know, her dad lives in California and like she goes back and forth between the East Coast and California and she's like mostly fine. And she goes skiing on a trip she's already been on before. And on day three, she's like, oh, something's wrong with me. And then she's like, oh, I guess I've been homesick this whole time. It's like, what? What? I don't know. I didn't get that. I didn't read it as exactly homesick. I read that as kind of her explanation I mean, she's embarrassed, right? And like, I think as as an individual who doesn't get embarrassed very often, that's mm-hmm. like an extra uncomfortable feeling. For oh, her. she's like embarrassed that she's embarrassed. I think so. Interesting. That's, that's so that's she just calls it, it homesickness, just to I like think she's. I think she's feeling out of place. You know, uh-huh. I think she. This is only this is her second time here, but she's not from this place. She doesn't feel like she's kind of totally belongs there, like the lifer. Stony Brookers, mm-hmm. and she she messes up a couple times in this winter war, right? Like she doesn't. I forget what it is first. It's like relay races or something that she screws up. Um, she trips twice. Yeah, she trips twice, and uh, you mm-hmm. know, as someone who tripped a lot in front of the whole school, it is not a fun experience. <laughs> and sometimes your very best friends in the world will bring it up a lot and not let you forget about it. Um, and so I just <laughs> think. I think she's just feeling like this isn't for, like, you know, she says, she says something a little bit or Claudia, she has this great interaction with Claudia in chapter 15 about it where, sorry, it's going to take me a second to, to find it about how it's different being confident at a place like camp than being confident in your school and that like embarrassing herself there is, is different I wasn't used to being away with my entire school, with all the kids I'd have to see day in and day out for the rest of the year. When I came to Lester Lodge in seventh grade, I just moved here and hardly anyone knew me, so I didn't care what the other kids thought of me. And when I went to Camp Mohawk, I knew I wouldn't see most of those kids again, except maybe for two weeks the following summer. But now if I made a fool of myself at the lodge, I'd have to live with it for the rest of the year. So to me, it was like a little bit of a like adolescent awakening and her sort of thinking about the consequences of particular actions and the way it stays with you. I don't know. I mm-hmm. thought it was nice. Mm. Not ni- like not nice that she had to go through that, but I thought it was like sensitively mm-hmm. drawn. Mm. I didn't think it was just homesickness. I think it was like, oh, I can't escape this and I'm fucking this up. Mm. Yeah. Well, what really put her over the edge was was losing Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Anne knows a thing or two about Anne. Would you like to tell Emily what would happen when we would play Monopoly when we were children? I'd win. Mm. What, yeah. what would happen when that didn't happen? I'd get angry. And what would you do? I mean, Esme says I would throw the board. But I don't think I, like, threw it. Revisionist history. I did not say throw. You would literally flip it. Up yeah. off the table and the okay, things would go everywhere. Do you see who my mom is <laughs> and how my mom plays games? Her mom goes crazy, Emily. She yeah. cheats. She tries to stay steal things. 
Oh my god! Um, yeah, it's really, really crazy. Mm-hmm. That's um, so funny. You know my favorite uh, game story with your mom, though, Anne. Yes, it's really good. We were playing like um, celebrity. Was it celebrity? No, it was catchphrase. Oh, it was catchphrase, right? And um, so you're trying to get the person to guess the thing, and the clue. Uh, Anne's brother was giving the clue, and he said, "Oh." Um, this was, I think this was a big porno in the seventies and she immediately goes, Ooh, ooh, deep throat, like really excited. (laughs) And then she's like, what? Everyone saw it. (laughs) Incredible. If I was giving, if I was giving the clue to my parents, I might've talked about Nixon and Watergate or something, (laughs) but like, she was just like in there. It was really funny. Anyway. Excellent. Um, are we on to me? Cause you asked me this or do you have nuggets that you noticed that I didn't notice? Yeah, no, let's talk about uh, murder. <laughs> I don't have a ton to say about the the murder stuff, but I, um, other than, again, like the super special seem to trade in insane murderers. Like this is, you know, they were there at Camp Mohawk and they're here again outside Lester Lodge. Um, but the, the ghost stories that they told on Hot Chocolate Night, I feel like are very classic ones. Mm-hmm. Like these are ones that... I would have heard at camp or that we would have told each other too. And this sort of um, honeymoon couple uh, murderer trope of the kind of like innocent, I'm assuming white woman who like nearly gets killed on her honeymoon when she's still virginal, like was a little bit on the nose. I was like, wow. Okay. Anna Martin, you're just, you're spoon feeding this to eight year old straight away. Okay, great. I don't know how, what you guys thought of that part. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Okay. <laughs> That's the correct opinion. It's correct. Yeah. I I sign off on this message. <laughs> I also thought so so Conway Cove is the elementary school where these kids win a readathon and they get to come to Lester Lodge. Stony Brook's middle school students just get to go just cuz but for some reason they they can only go if they win it and their bus turns over. Well, Stony Brook Middle School has parent donors. Mm. so remember yeah so like the way the reason they get to go is because the parents make uh like donations to some winter carnival and they put that money towards it and then the lodge picks up like like difference oh so that it is somewhat to do with the like economic status of stony brook middle school parents but not wholly dependent on on them gotcha so they do the thing that they do in in you know the vast majority of like high income public school districts where the the parents that can afford to will pick up the tab for the lower income kids in the district so yeah. that everybody gets the experience. Yeah, is is that what Michelle's parents did? <laughs> yeah, where's our ski trip, Dan and Claudia? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember getting to do that. <laughs> well played. <laughs> um in any so- case yeah, any case, their bus overturns and it's in the middle of this blizzard and um, their teachers like walk two miles through the snow with like serious injuries to get to the lodge. The bus drivers hurt as well. It's this big dramatic thing um, that I thought was pretty realistic. I think they did a good job showing kind of um, the effects that short, like in the short term that trauma can have on kids. So um really quick lesson, um, you know, a traumatic reaction 
right after an initial trauma is not post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. That has to be at least 30 days after an initial um, trauma. Um, We all have reactions to traumatic events, and those are a normative part. It's when it stays with you and you aren't able to adequately process it that it turns into PTSD. So um, similar to what she does with grief, she shows a lot of different reactions from these kids, right? Some of them are sort of cheerful and fine. Some of them keep crying. Some of them are really worried about the teachers. Some of them are really worried about the trip. And um, I really liked the way the Babysitter's Club sprung into action. I, I definitely, as an adult, I'm like, why are you guys working on your vacation? I had the same thought that you did, Emily, about that. But I think... Um, I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big fan of Christy, we already know, but I'm a, I'm a really big fan of the, like, when you get to see the ways in which Christy is really good with kids, um, that this is not, you know, we get a lot of like super competitive Christy later in the book, but, um, her validation of the kids when they first get to the bus and they're like trying to calm them down and trying to reassure them and like find their lunches and stuff and do everything is just very, sweet she just like starts yeah but you have to assume that all the babysitters are doing that we this is just the chapter told from christy's perspective so we only get her interactions oh yeah absolutely i wasn't trying to insinuate that the rest of them were crappy at it i was Mm -mm. just um Mm -hmm. i it's like claudia's not doing that yeah claudia's not doing that at all (laughs) claudia's like um you're cutting into my skiing time I just, uh, I think because, you know, because we do get a bunch of super competitive Christy in this book and we hear a lot about how she's bossy and like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem special from like Marianne, who's so sensitive and so dialed into people's emotions. Right. And so I, I just like seeing it from Christy, like the kinds of things that she's saying to reassure them and, and just talk with, get the kids talking and get them distracted to, to get them back. But yeah, I mean, we do see the whole BSC do that. But then why they have to keep being involved with these kids the whole week is a little bit funny. I mean, it's because it's a babysitter's club book, but. I also <laughs> wonder whether that was the right move to keep the kids there for a week, given that what happened to them is like fairly traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it might have been different if someone was like more permanently you know if somebody had died or if somebody was so so badly beat up they had to stay in the hospital or something like that but I think they'd all been looking forward to it and like their teachers were okay they needed some medical attention but they were okay right um that it would have been sort of like both traumatic and then super disappointing and sad if they had to go home I was a little surprised that like a couple of their parents didn't come or right. like another teacher or some like other people that knew them. <laughs> like that was a little weird, but I think the decision, I mean, obviously the decision not to send them home was because of, so they could be in this book, but I also don't know that that would have been quote unquote better for them. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. The the other thing I wanted to get into was Marianne being super moony and, and obsessed with Logan, but we have a couple other love stories in this book as well, as we often do. So we have Stacy and Pierre, um, who's another middle school student that she meets. And then, of course, Claudia has a huge crush on Guy, her ski instructor from 
an unidentified European country, right? He could be French Canadian. <laughs> yeah, right. But he could also be like Swiss mm-hmm. or there's there's a few different ideas. I mean, it's um, definitely a French accent that, that gets written out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have to have Anne read a few of Guy's lines, I feel like. <laughs> actually, Emily, you actually speak French. How did you think about her transliteration of Guy's accent? Well, it's another one of those things where they make Claudia super dumb because he's like, you know, 3.30 in a, in a French accent. And Claudia's like, what? What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 3.30. <laughs> got it so um uh emily it's at the beginning of chapter 19 it's the second paragraph i'm not gonna do that you do it it's we have have kindles it's too hard it's too hard and and you you can go to chapter 19 and i'm not doing the french accent one of you was doing it you've made fun of me enough today i'll be claudia since i hate her and you can be (laughs) Will you be teaching another class this afternoon? The ski competitions are tomorrow and I could use some extra help. No, I do not have a class scheduled. But for you, I will make an exception. What about a private lesson at 3.30? See there, she couldn't resist. Yeah. So she's like, what time is that? Um, And then keep keep going, Anne. Uh, There's a um, little bit down there. Guy takes my, sorry, Guy takes my hand in his and says, Oh, that is very good. You're ready for your run now. Um, so, so there's that lots of love. Very good. Oh, Mallory dances with a boy too. You forgot about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Justin Pilcher. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what do you guys remember about crushes when you were in middle school? Nothing. I don't, I don't remember middle school. We've established this already. <laughs> like zero? You have zero recollection. I don't know. You like are embarrassed a lot. I don't know. And you talk on the phone. I guess you tend to be obsessive a little mm-hmm. bit. Um everything is new and exciting, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, I feel like you're asking the wrong people these questions, first of <laughs> yeah. all. Yeah, true. <laughs> so true. Like, why don't you ask yourself that question as me? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, I found this very relatable. I think that they are super obsessive. And as someone who works with 13-year-olds and as someone who was also an obsessive 13-year-old, um, I, I thought the fact that Marianne would be mooning around and like missing Logan terribly was was probably pretty accurate, especially since it was like supposed to be a school thing, you know, like everyone else from school is there and she's used to seeing him in that context. And if he was there, what an amazing thing to be away for five days with your boyfriend, but then he's not there. So I could see that being really amplified mm-hmm. and the way Stacy, I mean, we've seen Stacy get obsessive before with Scott and with Toby um, but mm-hmm. like how invested she is in Pierre, I can just 
you know, I can picture them dancing at the dance to like Rush Rush by Paula Abdul, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a song uh. that I, I, I danced with the boy that I had a crush on with and then would listen to over and over again afterwards because this is what middle school girls do. They're obsessive. So I just I get why it's annoying and I get why it's like a heteronormative trope that we need to sort of interrogate and pay attention to and why it's a problem that they're all obsessed with boys specifically mm-hmm. because I'll tell you that the gay and pansexual girls that I work with are also obsessive. Um, it does not have to be only obsessed with boys, but I thought that the level of obsession was actually pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I want to point out something about Stacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so remember in boy crazy Stacy, when she laughed really hard at the Albuquerque joke. <laughs> yeah. And in this book, she laughed really hard at the Chevrolet Coupe joke or whatever. I'm yeah, like, what the? I noticed that. Stacy likes a dad joke. <laughs> I mean, do you think she actually thinks it's funny or is she just laughing because like a boy she likes told it? No, no. she's laughing because they're hot. Yeah. She's, yeah. yeah. I feel like I have never laughed at a joke really hard just because someone was a hot guy was telling me a joke. Well, there. Is it because he's hot or because she likes him? Right? Because those are different. She literally just met him in the Chevrolet Coupe joke. They run into each other and he's like, my name is Pierre. And she's like, are you French Canadian? He's like, no, my parents are from France, but I don't speak a lick of French. I'm a huge disappointment. And she's like, what French do you know? And he says, Chevrolet Coupe. And that's like, like literally the, the four, sixth words he says to her. Like, she can't like yeah. him. <laughs> she likes that he's hot. Like, <laughs> Okay. But I think, bear with me for a second. I think the question is different, right? Because I think, Anne, when you say I've never, like, so she has a crush on him, right? Like, she, she's, she does think he's hot, but I'm not, like, the question of, like, have I ever laughed just because a hot guy told the joke is different than, like, there's lots of hot guys that I don't have a crush on. Right, and that's I true. Wouldn't, I wouldn't laugh if it wasn't funny just because they were hot. But if I thought they were hot and I had a crush on them, I probably would. Not and not like in a like calculated like I think I would actually find the thing that isn't funny funny. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be like, oh, I should laugh because I like this guy. I would just find it funny even though it's not actually that funny. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. what I think Stacy's doing. That's where I fall in this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I buy that. What do you think, Anne? Like I definitely agree with your first sentence. Like yeah. I have not. I mean, been like, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it, but I don't think I would. I don't think that that goes for me. And like, if I have a crush on someone, I'm going to actively not laugh at anything that they say. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta well, that's knock them down too. a couple pegs, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. No, yeah. not me. I would never do that. <laughs> I okay. laugh at things I, that I think are funny. Yes. But your your partner is like actually like a comedy like writer person. And a lot of times you take them down a peg and don't laugh at something that everyone else is laughing at. Well, this everyone else doesn't story. live with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Just yeah. Saying. But also I'm not convinced that a lot of people don't find Matt funnier because they, everyone has a crush on him. Uh, I'll tell you that I don't have a crush on him and I think he's really funny. Yeah. But Gary does. <laughs> Gary does have a crush on him. <laughs> I don't have a crush on either of your partners, and they're two of the funniest people that I've ever met. So, fine, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> are you done as me? Yeah, forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. So, okay. Is, is Matt around right now, actually? Like in my house? Yeah. 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 I'm just curious to see if this is what people on the East Coast do during the winter. Oh, you want me to call him in? <laughs> do they go away with their school and they have like a weird mini Olympics thing? And no, build... I mean, I was telling him the plot of this book out loud today and he was like, never happened. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's, we have good Connecticutian intel. Okay. Yeah. The one middle school we have anecdotal evidence from did not do this. <laughs> <laughs> I was intrigued by the snow sculpture competition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made me think. Okay, someone. Wh- what was the winning sculpture? A treasure cat. Yes, which seems very complicated to make. Mm-hmm. Were you picturing like, like young children with like chainsaws and other devices to make these these intricate sculptures? So it's snow, not ice, and they're middle schoolers, not preschoolers. Still. I'm 42. Yeah. I don't think I could do that. I could do it. I could make that. Also, in, okay, Christy, um, in the Jesse and Mal chapter where they talk about the snow sculpture contest, they say that the kids who did the Cheshire Cat used food coloring. Yep. Smart move. Yeah. What did they do? They just they could, made the cat green, like the whole thing? Yeah. Green? I don't know. <laughs> colors food. Isn't that food coloring? Colors? What? <laughs> what, what are you looking at? <laughs> I don't know. You think they did it accurate, like to the to the story? Yeah, I assume it was either like pink and purple, like the Disney version, or orange, like the classic drawing. Why would it be green? I don't know. Because they're middle schoolers. Yeah. Man, I just have low opinions. Of I was thinking people. maybe yellow, if you get my mm. drift. Ew. <laughs> use food coloring to make it look like the actual cat like an actual cat or like the cat from the disney movie just because how would you like contain it in patterns so that it like took assumed the coloring coloring in it you would put a food coloring in a spray bottle and you would water it down with water and then you would cover the parts that you didn't want covered with something else like a shirt or a piece of cloth and then you would spray it and then you'd move on to the other section in the different color it's really not that hard but wait <laughs> but if you're so if you're if the whole cat is like pink but the stripes are purple you do like the whole thing pink and then you put something over the rest of it except the places you're trying to do purple but sure. then doesn't the thing that you put on it turn pink Sure, but then you just wash it or throw it away. It's like a rag. You think they just so you think the these kids like planned this all out in advance and they brought all those materials with them? Yes, if they're eighth graders and they've seen it for the last couple of years Hmm. and they want to do this, Keely would do that. My kids would totally do that. Okay, this was not one of the implausible parts of the book to me. (laughs) (laughs) I love how skeptical you guys are. I feel like you don't spend time with 12 and 13 year olds. Well, like that definitely, if my middle school went on a trip, no one would be invested in any like Olympics at all. Everyone would be like, I don't know, 
just in, really into the social aspect of it, I think. I feel like our middle school people would have done the competition. Don't you think, Ian? I Not mean, everybody. Well, yeah, I think that we, well, there was also, there there were distractions. There were no cell phones. There weren't like right. things to yeah. But I, yeah. so I, I think in my school in particular, the, the athletic competitions would have been, people would have been into those, but I don't think that the art one would have been that, like at least that many people would have participated. But that's the only one that the non-athletic kids can do. Speaking as a non-athletic kid, like I would have, been, I would have had so many supplies for the snow sculpture competition. Are you kidding me? Because mm-hmm. I'm going to be like Dawn. I'm going to be falling down and ice skating, and I'm not skiing. I did that once in my life; it's never happening again. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's all I got. I got okay. snowball fight, and I got snow sculpture competition. So you're going to be hella prepared. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You know, all she right. would do. She would do Audrey too. I would do Audrey too. <laughs> okay, tell us all the supplies you'd need to make Audrey too. Okay. So I'd get cardboard and I would um, paint it like terracotta, but I could lie it flat in my suitcase so I could wrap it around the bottom for the pot. Okay. So you've planned this like for weeks (laughs) before packing for this trip. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would, um, because you can use anything, right? It says like you can do whatever because people put clothes and stuff on it. And I would get pipe cleaners that I would put in little curlicues for like tendrils um, and then obviously green food coloring left over from the Cheshire cat. Um, and I would also probably bring like, um, like pieces of maybe stiff felt or some white cardboard uh, for teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then red food coloring for inside his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Easy. Awesome. Yeah. God, wow. That sounds like a nightmare. See, I don't hate Claudia. Like, <laughs> what else did you notice, Annie? Well, I will say that Anna Martin will take every opportunity she has to stick I Love Lucy into any of her books. <laughs> Not just in the author note. Yeah, just all the time. It's pretty shameless. But do you guys think she's mentioned I Love Lucy more or Mary Poppins? I think I Love Lucy. Yeah, I think so far it's been I Love Lucy, but it's very close still at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's kind of, it's interesting that as a writer, she doesn't feel like it's weird that she mentions it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's uh, usually try not to be so self-referential and especially a series that's going to last like 25 years. But, <laughs> but does she know at this point that it's going to last that long? I feel I like know. we're still pretty early. We're only three years in at this point. Only. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> um. Anyway, so uh, one of the performers at the talent show, his name was... Bobby Creston? <laughs> I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bobby. Did I make up the Why Creston? are you saying Bobby like that? <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> anyway, his name is Bobby, and he he does a a very famous Henson. Bobby Henson. Bobby Henson. <laughs> he performs a very famous skit. I love Lucy skit. Perhaps the most famous one of the entire series. Uh, the show is actually called Lucy Does a TV Commercial, but it's better known mm-hmm. as the Vitamita Vegemin Show mm-hmm. episode. Um, and can you guys guess what vitamin and vegemin stands for? Vitamins? 
meat meat <laughs> mm-hmm. and vegetables mm-hmm. in a minute almost minerals no oh. so i feel like vitamins and minerals are the same but meat and vegetables i'm not sure <laughs> how, how those are like liquid meat yeah i don't it's gross um so the premise of the show is that Ricky is uh, hosting a TV special and as one of the TV commercials, one of the sponsors is Vitamina Vegemin and they need someone, a, a woman to do the commercial and Lucy wants to do it. But like mm-hmm. most episodes of I Love Lucy, Ricky doesn't want her to do it, but she does mm-hmm. it anyway. Mm-hmm. So the hilarity ensues is uh, when she starts rehearsing it and she does not know that uh, Vitamina Vegemin is 23% alcohol. Oh my god, that's so much alcohol. Yeah. Why isn't it called Vitamina Vegemin Hall? <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> it's like Al- Alka Vitamina Vegemin. I actually found the entire like commercial script. Mm-hmm. It's not that long, so I'll just say it. So in the show, Lucy says, Hello, friends. I'm your Vitamina Vegemin girl. Are you tired, run down, listless? Do you poop out at parties? Are you unpopular? The answer to all your problems is in this little bottle. Vitamina Benjamin. Vitamina Benjamin contains vitamins, meat, vegetables, and minerals. Yes, with Vitamina Benjamin, you can spoon your way to health. All you have to do is take a tablespoon after every meal. It's so tasty, too. It's just like candy. So why don't you join the thousands of happy peppy people and get a great big bottle of Vitamina Benjamin tomorrow? That's Vitamina Benjamin. So that's where she has to stay. And it, it gets increasingly, she just gets very drunk. She can't say it's the so words right. It's so too. Yeah. Yeah. It's very funny. So it sounds it's so foul. Yeah. Oh, the, the actual vitamin adventure. Yeah. Well, that's part of the, the gag is like she takes, she tastes it and it's like really disgusting. And she doesn't like it. But she likes it more and more as she goes She likes on. it more and more. She's yeah. very drunk. Um, but fun fact is she actually didn't enjoy filming the episode because as great as a comedic actress she was, she was not an improviser. She never ad-libbed. So getting all the drunk lines correct was very difficult. Um, Super hard. And she actually had to have cue cards for, for this episode. Damn. Yeah. So of course, Bobby, what's his name? Henson. Crispin. Crispin. (laughs) Crispin. Um, <laughs> yeah uh he he decided that this was his talent and Wait, so do we think all the kids in this in the audience like are familiar with this bit and or do they find it funny because it's funny on its own it is funny on its own but they also a lot of them are familiar with it because mm-hmm. remember this is in the 80s like people knew i love lucy it would be like a friend's bit now Sure. Okay. Yeah. Also, I love Lucy. We we watched it a lot because it was on TV a lot. a lot. Yeah. Next to the People's Court. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we watched Dick Van Dyke show. I yeah. love Lucy. Andy, Andy Griffith show. We like watch all those shows in, in yeah. middle okay. school. Emily's like, okay, old people. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I don't know. Ten years now suddenly feels like a lot longer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Every once in a while, the gap between 78 and 88 just gapes, like, yeah. like stretches out. Well, because when was uh, I Love Lucy on TV originally? 
In the 50s. 50s. Right. So that, like, TV from the 50s was regularly airing in the, like, late 80s, early 90s, but not at all 10 years later is, I think, kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Like, you only ever saw it when I was a kid, maybe on, like, Nick at Night. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it was on every day (laughs) when we were kids. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing I wanted to talk about was the the illustration of the snack machine in the book. (laughs) So if everyone, Emily, it's in chapter three, a Dawn chapter. Okay. Um, This is when they're like touring the lodge. Right, right. So it, okay. Who is sketching (laughs) these images? Is it like, is one of the babysitters drawing? Is it like Claudia is drawing these or what's? We, We never hear. Okay. No one mentions them. I don't think it's Claudia. I think it would be better than this if it was Okay, Claudia. I would like us to try to figure out what these snacks are because they don't look like anything to me. Okay. Let's start on the... Let's go from left to right. Okay. Uh, I think that's fruit stripe gum. Oh, you know what? I thought that too, but are you talking just about one piece of fruit stripe gum? Because <laughs> that's not what the package looked like. What is no, that? But like, what else could it be? Could it be... Yeah, I have no idea. Or it could be um what is it called? Chuckles. It could be a pack of chuckles. What the fuck is chuckles? <laughs> Dude, careful, Emily. Sorry. I'll is send it them to you? No. They're like gummies. They're <laughs> like, like big gummies. Like what candy wrapper looks like that? I don't know. It's too short to be like an Abba Zabba. What? Yeah. How could you possibly know that? <laughs> it's not to scale. <laughs> Because Abba's Abba's really long. Okay, so I'm going fruit stripe gum. Okay, it's a pack of fruit I did think gum. of that too. It's a single. It's a single stick of fruit stripe <laughs> like, gum. It's like unwrapped and exposed <laughs> in the vending machine. Okay, the next one's very confusing because there's some there are some letters on it, but they don't yeah. spell anything. It's like something B and C. Yeah, okay. I have two very different directions for this one. Okay. Okay. I think it could be a box of like good and plenty. What? Or isn't good and plenty it... a chocolate bar? No. No. No, it's like licorice. Like licorice beans. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> it's or... like candy coated black licorice. Yeah. Or oh. it could be a bag of corn nuts. BNC. You know? But hmm. <laughs> BNC but it's like a nuts. it's rectangular shaped. It looks like a bar candy. Well, that's why I said a box of good and plenty. Oh, but I think it's oh, a bar. Oh, like maybe like a Nestle Crunch. Like yeah, Nestle Crunch. Are those Rice Krispies? Maybe it's a Nestle Crunch bar, but it's it's a Russian one. So like the BNC <laughs> would explain. Maybe it's like vet. Well, the, no, they don't have an N like that in uh, Russia. It would yeah. either be an H or a backwards N. Hmm. Or it's just no they're just trying not is. to like copyright infringe. Yeah. Okay. okay, so the next one is probably chips. Yeah, hundred yeah, right? percent. I think it says sometime. chip on it. Yeah. In in chip. In chip. Yeah. But why did they make it look so just like yeah. ambiguous? Actually, I think it says so in chip with a game. trademark sign afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so we could play this game. Okay. What's the next thing? A Twinkie. A can of soda in the machine with all these snacks? To me, it looks like a Nintendo Switch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Absurd. That's, that seems right. <laughs> no. It's uh, not the right. last one's like a little Debbie snack of some kind, right? Like a Swiss roll. I think that none of these are anything and you guys are just making stuff up. <laughs> Except in chip trademark, of course. Okay, here's my thing. It's like if did a professional illustrator was someone hired to make these drawings? Because if they were, yes. I feel like they I mean they definitely were. It's not like they just like how else would they get drawings into like a legitimate book? This is not well, a good drawing. None what of these I've, drawings were good. I think what we should take away from this is that the person get, that got hired to draw this thinks as low of middle schoolers as you and I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Accurate. Did Claudia have any candy yet? I didn't keep track of it, but I actually don't think she did. I don't think so either. No, I don't think so either. Okay. Can you guys oh. see this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the scale of this composition. It makes no, like, the milk is, like, falling it's, off the table is, in the back. This is a visual medium, I mean, this is an audio medium, and Describe what the picture. Oh, it's it's lunch on a checkered tablecloth with uh, a sandwich, a carton a of milk, a gallon apple. of milk. Yeah, it's like, the milk is, like, five times as big as, as the apple. <laughs> Insane. It's like a this is like an MC Escher sketch. <laughs> it's an optical illusion. All right. Did you have anything else, Annie? Well, let's see. I feel like the Ashley Weiss cameo was kind of sad. Yeah. Because she has no one to share a bunk bed with. Yeah. Yeah. And then the only other time she appears is when she feels snubbed by Claudia for the <laughs> snow sculpture mm-hmm. contest. And then she otherwise she's kind of not there. Yeah. She's in the background. Do you yeah. think her snow sculpture, her snow sculpture, was a a fire hydrant? No, I think it was something an abstract concept like love. Yeah, justice. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not justice. <laughs> uh, but no, that's all I got. What about tallies? As not a ton in this book. Um, most mentions are of Dawn. She's twice an individual and once likes health food. Uh, there's one babyish, one sophisticated, and one sensitive. Hmm. And I didn't. I haven't been tracking in the super specials who says what, so I can't really. Yeah. Tell you. Parse that out. That's fine. Yeah. What about weirdest lines? What were everyone's favorites? I thought there were a lot of good ones yeah. in this book. Um, I had rip snorter of a storm. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's one I liked too. Yeah. Uh, and I had the other storm descriptor, dang doozy. <laughs> now I was just gonna say I like that dang doozy is a is alliterative, but. Rip snorter is funnier to me. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to ask me? Do you have an opinion? Oh, I have a couple more. Is that all you guys oh. had? Did you have any others? Oh, go ahead. Um, I really like that one of the um, acts in the talent show is a kid who calls himself the Flugelmeister. Yeah. Mm. I thought it that was a reference me. to something that I missed. Well, I thought it was a reference to Roger, the master broom balancer, to continue with our Wet on American Summer. BSC reference. crossover. Yeah. yeah. The, the universes um, are aligned. That's who the Flugelmeister is, for sure. Um, and then there were two other lines that I really enjoyed. One was Mallory sort of, she's stressing the whole week about this dance, which I also thought was really cute and and good actually because sixth grade is still quite young and so like it made sense to me that she would be stressed about it and she mentioned something about 
how she doesn't know much about the game of boys and she capitalizes both game and boys. And I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last one is somebody was really upset about old people without teeth. It was Marianne. It was Marianne. Yeah, mm-hmm. Marianne and I both don't like old people. And she said, I'm a firm believer in dentures. Um, <laughs> and I thought that that was just really random and funny. Like, why? And that no 13-year-old would have an opinion about that. Those are good. But I want to name it a storm after the storm. Yeah. Rip snorter of a storm. <laughs> I, I would That's- dang doozy would also satisfy mm-hmm. me. Just feel yeah, like it's I- seasonally appropriate to reference the yeah. storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's fair. I pr- I think I have a slight preference for Dang Doozy just because I feel like I've heard Rip Snorter more and Dang Doozy seems completely out of nowhere to me. Mm, that's fine. Great. Okay. Doing it. Okay, pizza toast to let's pizza toast to I I really I'm trying to like in 1989 to make a long distance phone call from Aruba to to vermont is really crazy i don't want a pizza toast to it but i just was thinking about it again like Mm -hmm. it's not the same as now like i don't even Mm -hmm. know how he did that it's weird anyway well they're probably at like a fancy resort in aruba still it would have been like a 40 dollar phone call for like three minutes yeah but i guess if they're at a resort in aruba then the brunos can afford it yeah maybe it's an all-inclusive situation including the long distance phone calls Oh, the, I feel bad for Ethel Tynes, who's the fat girl on the bus that they sing the mean song about in the epilogue. I felt like that was like very harsh out of nowhere. You want a pizza Ethel toast to that? Yeah, I, I feel like, I, you know, to Ethel having a nice life, even though middle school boys are assholes. I don't know. We could pizza toast to Ethel. Okay. All right. Justice for Ethel Tynes. Let's do it. Let's pizza toast to for justice for Ethel Tynes. For justice for Ethel Times. <laughs> this episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both a local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling dibly generous and you want to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friends a girl could ask for. <laughs>